into cybersecurity? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career. everybody let's light this candle welcome welcome good morning everybody today is thursday august 24th 2023 welcome to episode number 437 of the simply cyber daily cyber threat brief i'm your host dr gerald dozier all citadeled out today first day of class at the citadel so we'll be getting into that a little bit later but for right now over the next 45 minutes me you terrence billingsley evan barnett the mod team, CatGPT, BSEC in the car, Sharice K, John De La Cruz, folks over on LinkedIn, folks on YouTube, Simply Cyber Squad members, community members, first timers and long timers. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So, what the heck can I do with this information today in a tactical meaning? Well, a tactical way. How can I use it operationally? How can I use it strategically? We're going to cover it all. You are in good hands. And just think, if you are new to the industry, looking to break in, maybe you're cyber curious, don't think that this show is for the practitioners only. We are addressing everybody. So you will be getting excellent exposure to uh, uh, topics, context, information, as well as great networking there's over 300 people here on average every single day we got a super chat coming in hot greetings from 35,000 feet watching the best daily cyber threat briefing out there coffee cup cheers team live have fun in class jerry did we just become best friends yep thank you so much james mcquiggan also to you longtime uh squad member james mcquiggan twice in uh he's actually watching um <laughs> he's watching the daily cyber threat briefing more often at 35,000 feet then at sea level, uh, coffee cup cheers to you. I got a, you got the Citadel shirt and the Citadel mug. I, I yeah, I went to the bookstore, okay? <laughs> I got a little bananas in the bookstore. All right, guys, I can't wait. Now, remember, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CPE. So that stacks up to an F a week, 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up in chat, hashtag team live. If you want, grab a screen cap of it, throw it into a folder, mark it today's date. There you go. Uh, rinse and repeat, guys. Part, you know, half the work in cybersecurity, yeah, there's a lot of technical stuff. A lot of it is, you know, rinse and repeat, man. Consistency, day in, day out, sticking with it. And, you know, capturing those CPEs is just another one. Thank War Goons. I appreciate it. It's very, very comfortable. If you are on Team Replay, those CPEs do extend to you, my friend. So hashtag Team Replay in chat. Love the comments. Love everything that uh, folks are sharing in the Team Replay. So Team Replay are people too. There will be no jawjacking today because I got to boogie out of here ASAP. Class starts at 930 and I got to drive downtown. Who knows what traffic's going to be like. So, you know, just eat myself out of the studio as quickly as I can. Also, want to say holler at you. If this is your first episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, if this is your first episode, hashtag first timer in chat. Let us know. I do love welcoming the first timers, um, giving them a warm, warm reception. Hey, Alana Boyajin. Good to see you, Alana. Squad member and great GRC practitioner. War goons coming in strong. All right, guys. Super excited for today's uh, 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 podcast. 
for those who do not know, I do not prepare or research any of the stories that we're going to go over today. So you're getting my honest, uh, ex- you know, uh, hot take on it. I've been working in the industry a very long time, so I have some, you know, experience to, to leverage in order to comment on these stories. But we're going to have a great show. Before we get into it, I do want to uh, share with everybody. Oh, my God, the dogs, the dogs, the dogs. The dogs. All right, guys, I do want to share with you uh, a quick note from the stream sponsors, those uh, groups that help uh, bring the show to you every single morning, starting with my good friend Eric Taylor at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber techs and recover from the damage done. Cyber techs can cause massive, excuse me, <laughs> cyber techs can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. You can see what the website looks like on the page. If you do scroll all the way to the bottom, uh, right there is where you can get on Eric Taylor's calendar. Want to say what's up really quickly to Paul Burbage, first timer in chat. Let's go, Paul. Thanks for finding us. Thanks for spending some time with us this morning. Hopefully you come back. Want to say shout out and love to Panopsi Security, South Carolina's own Brandon Poole and his team. They can be your partner who understands your cybersecurity program and your business goals. I also want to point out, if you don't have a cybersecurity program, even more of a reason to contact Panopsi Security because they can come in and look at your people, process, technology, threat landscape, industry, business size, put it in a um, like like um, one of those like martini shakers, give it one of these numbers, crack it open, pour it over ice, and boom, you've got a one to three year cybersecurity program that is sensitive to cyber risk reduction, low hanging fruit, budget. Believe me, you want that if you don't wanna be like Keystone cops bumping into each other, being reactive in your cybersecurity program. If you actually want a strategy and an approach and have you know basically the idea that you can know what you're going to be expecting for budget requests, how you're gonna be asking for resources, hiring people, i.e. or getting MDR, Panopsi Security, that's what's up. Also want to say shout out and love to Anti-Siphon Training, but more about them at the mid-roll. Guys, we got a great show. It is Thursday. Every single day of the week has a special little activity, and Thursdays is What's Your Meme Thursday. Now, our good friend um, Haircut Fish typically makes the memes of the week, but this week he is unavailable for very good reasons. Um, he's doing the certified cyber defenders exam, uh, and he gets a 48 hour window to complete it. So he's not currently available, but that's okay. I've got a callback. I've got a, it's almost like a blend of tidbits Tuesday and what's your meme Thursday. I've got a personal photo. I'm going to share with you. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. James McQuiggan coming in over from the top rope. James McQuiggan coming in from first class. I taught the first class of the semester last night for Valencia College Cyber Ops. Shout out to my students who I highly recommend. They start watching The Daily Show on a regular basis. Thanks so much. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks so much, James, for the super chat and for turning your class on to the course. I can't wait to meet my students. I got 20 students this semester. We're going to have a good time. And, oh, by the way, brand new facility. I went and checked it out last week. It's sick. All right, guys, sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. See you at the mid-roll. It's Thursday, August 21st, 2023. Tornado cash developers face indictment. The court for the Southern District of New York announced it charged tornado cash developers Roman Semenov and Roman Storm with three conspiracy counts related to their cryptocurrency mixer. Authorities arrested Storm on the charges. An indictment alleges the men knew their service aided cybercriminals in violation of U.S. sanctions. It also claims tornado cash laundered over $1 billion in criminal funds. The Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Asset Control also imposed sanctions on Semenov earlier that day. UN. All right. Well, a couple of things here. One, one. Uh, this guy's name, Roman Semenov. Doesn't that sound like um, what was uh, Scarlet Witch's name? Uh, Romanov. I forget her first name, but it it, it almost sounds like uh, like a mix up of these uh, of this guy's name. All right. That's unrelated to the MCU. All right. Um, so here's the deal. Tornado Cash. If you don't know, 
Tornado Cash was one of the uh, these mixers, okay? And very, very popular platform. All it allows you to do is take a crypto wallet and you, you basically give them some money for a fee and they'll take a bunch of crypto wallets and they'll mix up all the money and then put it back in uh, to your wallet. Now, what does that do for you? All right. The whole thing with crypto, by the way, FinFrock shout out. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Natasha Romanoff, Roman Seminoff. I guess maybe it's not that similar. Um, so here's the deal. With crypto money, let's just take Marcus Kyler for a second. Marcus Kyler is a victim. He's got a million dollars. Awesome, Marcus. He's got a million dollars in a crypto wallet, and I somehow trick him into giving me his creds or whatever. And I take his million dollars out and I put it into my crypto wallet. Now, because of the way it's decentralized finance and all these things, Marcus has no way to recover his money. I straight up own it. But law enforcement, right? Law enforcement can look at the crypto wallet and say, okay, we don't know that it's Jerry's crypto wallet, but we know crypto wallet one, two, three, four, five is holding that ill gotten money. So when crypto wallet one, two, three, four, five tries to go to Coinbase or Binance or wherever and cash out that money, we could straight up get the identity of that who, whoever owns that wallet and punch him in the mouth. Now, the reason the reason being is because crypto currency doesn't really have any utility in our modern society and don't get me going about like the guy who bought a lamborghini or how you could buy a pizza from domino's in like 1999 or uh, 2009 or something crypto money does not have any utility currently in our, like any real utility in our world so you need to transition it to actual cold hard cash usd right and that's where they grab you so these tornado cash mixers allows me to take my wallet and get it all spun up and mixed and basically it's it's digital money laundering is what it is that that's basically exactly what it is digital money laundering so and the idea behind um, the utility is that Tornado Cash is like, no, 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 no. We're a privacy company. We want people to have the ability to privately have their funds and not be tracked. Two things. One, uh, there's a company called Chainalysis that can track very quickly across mixers and blockchain transactions. So there's utilities about defeating this in the first place. But secondly, there's no real utility. This was a thinly veiled uh, money laundering operation. And the United States government is coming at them full force. I love it. Um, the Department of Treasury did sanction that they're not allowed to use it a little bit. I'm, I am a little surprised that they went after it. Um, so we'll see how, how this works um, in the actual case. Because remember, if you're being charged with a, a felony uh, in this case, um, you're going to have to get proven beyond a reasonable doubt across uh, 12 jurors that you were, in fact, setting this up as money laundering. I do think there's a little bit of wiggle room uh, for them to say, no, no, like this was a privacy thing. So we'll see where it comes. But dude, law enforcement, Department of Justice, U.S. federal government, they are kicking butts and taking names, and they are not standing for it. By the way, this is a downstream um, hit to the ransomware uh, ecosystem, right? Because if you're committing ransomware and you're stealing millions or you're getting paid millions of dollars in ransom or millions of dollars in data exfil, um, selling back data, you still can't do anything with that money. I could be the wealthiest person in the world, according to Bitcoin, but I, I could live in a shoebox because I literally can't buy anything. I can't buy food. I can't buy shelter. I can't buy clothes. You know, I can't go on Amazon. I can't go to Target with like my $75 million in Bitcoin and buy a t-shirt. You see what I'm saying? So yes, this does impact that and hopefully will curb things. Begins final cybercrime treaty talks. Recorded future sources say this treaty will not radically change law enforcement's approach to cybercrime, instead aiming for more modest proposals that will pass a general assembly vote. The first UN convention on cybercrime came back in 2001 in Budapest, but wasn't signed by Brazil, China, India, or Russia. The treaty will reportedly act as a political document to increase law enforcement cooperation with nations that didn't sign that Budapest agreement. Sources say initial negotiations are focusing on points of consensus, signaling a workable treaty will come out of the talks. Wow. All right, so there's actually some really interesting stuff going on here. Guys, I do not, I swear that 
this is not a political show, okay? But cybersecurity is ubiquitous in our modern society, and it permeates all aspects of it, including politics. Now, there's something going on here that's uh, deeper and under the under the yeah, we have to we have to dig a little deeper beneath the surface to see what's going on. Okay, UN Cybercrime Treaty underway. UN is the United Nations. It's supposed to be, um, like not. I mean, it's political in sense, but it's supposed to be like, uh, hey, we're all we're all super mature. We're all super civilized. Let's have like a roundtable discussion where everybody gets to speak and everything like that. Okay. Then there are alliances like NATO. All right. Now, now, just for a minute, let's look at this. Why would anyone push back on not signing a cybercrime treaty? In this instance, they say definitively that Russia, China, India, and Brazil uh, did not want to adopt it. Okay. And the idea is that they're defined. My understanding, again, I don't research these courses, uh, these courses, this these stories in advance. But my understanding is that the Convention on Cybercrime, they're probably trying to define standards in internationally accepted norms for what cybercrime is and how you will respond to it. Right. So right now, there's really well-defined terms for what war is. Okay. And this is actually. Because, okay, so there's really well-defined terms for what war is. The UN has decided if you do this, it is an act of war. If you do this, it's an act of war. If you do anything else, it's not an act of war, which is why Russia invading Ukraine was not considered war, um, but but like some type of like aggressive conflict or something. At this point, I don't know how they don't define it an act of war, frankly. But my point is with cyber attacks, the cyber part of it um, never really reached the definition of war. That's why in 2014, when Russia knocked out Ukraine's power, nobody said anything. That's why, frankly, when the United States does espionage on China or China does espionage on the US or Russia does it somewhere, like wherever, those acts of aggression are not defined as cyber, excuse me, are not defined as war. So this this convention on cybercrime cybercrime is out of control a lot of cyber criminals operate out of eastern europe because they have protections out there and the un in, is trying to like get their arms around it and define con, uh, standards so then once we all agree to them then we could start executing like extradition or hacking back legitimately right these type of things now what i want to tell you that's the story um what is an interesting beneath the surface thing that I want to put out there for people, where is the, here, the fact that China, Russia, India, and Brazil did not um, adopt the treaty. Here's something interesting, okay? This is a little bit of a posture. There is a thing called BRICS, B-R-I-C-S, BRICS. And it's basically like a new, I mean, it's not new, but it's like a new alliance that's forming to, to kind of go, not go against, but to be an alternative, um, an alternative faction other than Western uh, power, NATO, <laughs> right? And it's Brazil, Russia, India, China, and um, uh, I forget what the S is. It's another one. Um, I forget what the S is. I, I, in fact, I don't even know if the country actually begins with S. Uh, there's another country that's kind of smaller that likes to play nicely with the United States. So they're like, oh, it's kind of weird. Um, but anyways, this right here, this right here tells me this is to me, this is BRICS, the BRICS alliance kind of being like, no, no, like we're not going to play with you. Almost holding out as like a negotiation or uh, some type of like negotiation tactics, South Africa. Thank you, Kayla Sturgeon. Yes, South Africa. Um, so anyways, to me, that all this screams is it's not that China, Russia, India, Brazil it is not into uh, international norms on cybercrime. To me, this is them like locking arms and being like, oh, this is an opportunity for us to flex a little bit and get a little bit of our you know, deal in place. Again, not a political show. I am not some geopolitical expert. I'm a cybersecurity guy. I just know about this BRICS thing. And to me, because you, you, you might look at this and ask, why the hell? Ugh, 
Sorry, Jalen. Sorry, baby Kennedy. Sorry, um, uh, baby Jesse Johnson. Like, why wouldn't you sign this? Like, what would? Why? Why wouldn't you? And and I and and that's the why. Okay. So, anyways, FBI warns of North Korean crypto cash out. The Federal Bureau of Investigation warned crypto exchange operators to be on the lookout for actors connected to the North Korean-backed Lazarus Group. The FBI believes the group may seek to cash out over $40 million in Bitcoin. The investigators found over 1,500 stolen Bitcoins moved into just six crypto wallets, indicating the group plans to cash out. This may represent a small fraction of the funds stolen by Lazarus. Bleeding Computer highlighted a recent TRM Labs report that estimates that over the last five years, the group orchestrated over 30 attacks, stealing over $2 billion in crypto assets. Great cash, homie. Wow. Okay. So North Korea. Um, I mean, if you're going to cash out as a criminal enterprise, um, <laughs> maybe not telegraph it so strongly. But guys, this gets back to the first story I was talking about. North Korea, Lazarus Group, $2 billion in ill-gotten gains. Some of the biggest hacks in history. Um, Bangladeshi bank heist. Axie Infinity Ronin Bridge. Um, there was another one that they hit that was like a multi, you know, 100 million plus attack. They have multiple, multiple of like the biggest crime, financial crime heists in history, right? Yet they can't buy crap with it. All right. So they need to cash out. And because of the way that cashing out works, um, I actually heard on, I want to say a Darknet Diary episode, Sean Peral, thanks for the squad membership. I heard on a Darknet Diary, I believe that they can only um, exfil or exfil. They can only cash out like 50 grand at a time because when they try to do it, they have to set up a fake account with fake creds that looks real, that passes the know your customer uh, checks uh, for, you know, treasury and, and revenue and stuff like that. And then they start cashing out and they, when they get to about 50 grand, the account gets flagged and locked up until further information can be done or it's, it's identified that it's tagged to a North Korean controlled uh, Bitcoin wallet and they freeze it. So dude, if you had $2 billion and you could only take it out in $50,000 increments and it took you like three days to get the $50,000. I know that that sounds like an A load of money to you and I, 50 grand for every three days. I'll take that every day of the week. But for a government and for like a state-sponsored group, it's a super pain in the butt. So they're going to try to cash out, apparently. We will see what this looks like. Um, Again, there's only a few... Here's the thing, guys. There's only a few places on the planet you can go to cash out this level of cryptocurrency, right? You can't go to an ATM at a 7-Eleven at 11 o'clock at night and be like looking around with your hoodie on and dropping an ATM card and withdraw $40 million. Like that doesn't happen. There's only a few places you can go. And guess what? When you have choke points like that, defenders, defenders can dial in on it. So good luck. Um, I hope they catch you. (laughs) Court convicts lapsus teens. A Southwark Crown Court in London convicted two teens on charges related to activities by the Lapsus Group. This included an unnamed 17-year-old as well as 18-year-old Arian Kurtage, who met online back in July 2021. The court found Kurtage accessed data on the telcos BT and EE, eventually demanding a $4 million ransom to not leak data. Authorities initially arrested the two teens back in early 2022 before releasing them for further investigation. After that initial arrest, the two aided in the breach of NVIDIA and leaked game footage from Rockstar Games. And now... All right, so... Okay, so this was one of those interesting things. Again, you know, some cases are made more more, uh, salacious and more media-savvy or, like, media-dropping. Not to say that, like, others aren't made in the media, but, like, for example... When uh, Revil, Revil Group got taken down, you know, it was a big story. And, like, it was kind of interesting because, like, Russia was just about to invade Ukraine. The Russian, like, you know, whatever, special forces kicked in Ukrainian-backed Revil's door and arrested them. And it seemed like, oh, man, way to go, Russia, for, like, helping rid the world of some evil people. And then, you know, it was just like, I mean, it, they did do it, but it was like a propaganda stunt to get goodwill because they invaded, like, the next day. Um, 
and that didn't make major waves. This lapses thing, you know, maybe it's just happening in my my corner of the world. But um, these guys got arrested. Does it say how long they they got? Um, how long they got got for their punishment? So they haven't been uh, assigned sentencing yet. Um, but these kids are found guilty. Guys, here's the deal. Really quickly, lapses came in wicked hot. Like when I say wicked hot. Um, to use like a wrestling reference, like the 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 ransomware um, community or whatever, they're all fighting like Royal Rumble style inside the ring. And for those who don't know wrestling, I'm sorry for this metaphor, but basically, when if you were around when lapses came out, they came out like the lights dimmed, and then like a 17 year old. Uh, kid basically came sprinting full tilt from the the locker room down the entire concourse, dove into the ring and just started like raining elbows and haymakers around. Lapses came in like an unbelievable, oh, like a wrecking ball, like like unbelievable. They were like nuclear for like 15 minutes, and then they got arrested. And they were so braggadocious. They were so arrogant. They were so over the top, I said it at the time, and I'm not the only one who said it, but I said it at the time, I said, there is no way, there's no way these aren't teenagers. There's no way these aren't teenagers. We've seen enough threat actors in our time, guys. They start falling into certain kind of personalities, and they were they were just reckless, um, as, as teenagers tend to be. Uh, so not surprising, they had bad OPSEC. Um, there was, they were in England, uh, they had some uh, relationships in Brazil. Um, it got all out. They got arrested. They got caught. Thank God. Dude, I want all the ransomware threat actors to be brought to justice. Bring it down. Burn it down. Shut it down. Ransomware is a blight on our industry. A word from our sponsor, Hyperproof. It's more critical than ever to focus on strategically addressing risk. But how can you do it when working with limited resources? That's where Hyperproof comes in. Hyperproof is a risk and compliance operations platform that helps you automate evidence collection, task management, and collaboration within your organization so you can focus on what matters most, keeping your company secure by prioritizing strategy, not manual process. Get a demo at hyperproof.io. All right. Hey, so for the first timers like Paul, uh, hashtag first timer, and the long time, as you guys all know, but at the mid-roll, we do some fun stuff, starting with this. All right, want to say shout-out again to James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet. Hopefully, he's taking the AirPods out, turn the speaker on, and let First Class listen to Simple Minds here for a minute. Guys, want to take a second. If you're getting educational value, if you're getting entertainment value, there's over 300 people here right now. We're averaging over 300 a day. I want to tell you, thank you all so very much for being here, for showing up for contributing and sharing your thoughts in a supportive way. I definitely don't know it all. It takes a community, it takes a village, and you guys are bringing it, doing your part genuinely from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. If you're getting educational value or entertainment value, pay it forward and hit the like button right now. I will say I did look at the likes uh, right before I went live. We are averaging about 300 likes uh, per day. So again, shout out to all of you. Um, that's about 85, 90% of the viewers are hitting that like button. So, um, solid, genuinely appreciate it. Shout out again to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi, and Anti-Siphon Training for the stream support. Guys, really quickly, Anti-Siphon Training is the training arm of Black Hills Information Security, and they're on a mission to disrupt the traditional industry of cyber training by providing high quality cutting edge education to everyone regardless of financial position there's a link in the description below i am an absolute fan fan and uh complete supporter of anti-siphon training um if you go on the link below go to training go to pay what you can hit the link you will see they have pay what you can courses only eight are listed here but they have several others including a miter attack one that starts today at 10 a.m 10 a.m. today. So if your plans got screwed up today and all of a sudden you found yourself just chilling as part of Blue Team Summit, 10 a.m. today you can get in on this training. And many of you were at Blue Team Summit yesterday. I know you were because I did the Market Your Cyber Self and uh, a lot of community members uh, 
were unavailable, so I, I assume that they were at the Blue Team Summit. Anyways, go to the link below, get some training. Great people. Love myself some anti-siphon training. Guys, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge is always bringing the heat. Fred Green currently has the baton. I hope Fred is in chat. Uh, Fred went on yesterday to LinkedIn and did his uh, post in hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Go find it, comment on it, and most importantly, connect with Fred and connect with the people who commented on Fred's post. I myself didn't have an opportunity to see it, but I do plan on doing that as soon as I get a hot minute. As soon as Fred tags someone, that person will go and post their story on uh, LinkedIn. Hashtag cyber, simply cyber community challenge. Here's really quickly for the 300 people here who are like, what the hell? What are we, what are we talking about, Jerry? Here's the deal. If you want this, then do this. If you want to hack your LinkedIn feed in your community, build your professional network, have all the content showing up in your LinkedIn feed, be supportive, cybersecurity focused content with great people, this is what you do. You go find this hashtag on LinkedIn, you post comments on the people who are posting, connect with the people who are posting and commenting, and within about two weeks, you're gonna see, first of all, your network's growing, second of all, you're just surrounded by like awesome, supportive resources, knowledge, sharing, asking questions, getting answers, it's it's wicked awesome. And guys, again, I say this every, Every single day, I cannot emphasize it enough. Josh Mason and I were talking about this last night. Networking is the single most important thing you can do for your cybersecurity career. I'm not, I'm not overstating that. I'm telling you, a lot of there's a lot of great things in cybersecurity. Networking is, it, it, it's like it's like a it's like a cheat code for your cybersecurity career. So definitely take advantage. All right, guys. Every Thursday is your. Every Thursday is what's your meme? Thursday, Dan is out right now, so I've done the meme. I start teaching today uh, at the Citadel for the fall semester. I wanted to share with you. Here's classic Jerry. This is Jerry circa 2018, 2019, maybe. Little wee baby. And I'm teaching uh, I'm teaching basic uh, risk function, likelihood and impact. I'm doing a little GRC training here, and someone snapped a picture of me. But I thought, I don't know. I just thought the community would find it funny. Um, because I look like I'm 10 years old in this photo. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, that's what's up. All right, let's keep going. ...firm loses customer data after ransomware attack. A ransomware attack hit the Danish hosting firms Cloud Noric and Azero Cloud last week. The two firms belong to the same parent company. A statement from the two firms said the majority of our customers have consequently lost all of their data with us. The ransomware attack hit during a data center migration, allowing attackers to access all data silos, backups, and admin systems. Ooh. The firms say they will not pay a ransom and began working with security experts and law enforcement on next steps. The notices recommend customers attempt to recover data from local backups or the Internet Archive's Wayback Machine. What? This is really interesting. So... This is really interesting. I'm actually kind of curious about this. This seems really odd. Okay, so here's the deal. Cloud Nordic. This is really weird. This has like, this this smacks of partial insider threat, okay? A hosting firm, right? So a company that hosts websites and data and, you know, infrastructure and stuff like that was doing a migration. So it's not uncommon, right? I always rail over here about like, oh, legacy tech and, you know, end of life systems. When you do a migration, like let's say you're going from server 2012 to the new, like whatever, what's the newest one? Server 2023 or something. I don't even know what the new server uh, models are for um, Windows Server. But anyways, a lot of people, okay, this is gross. A lot of people are on 2008 R2. And migrating from 2008 R2 up off that is a massive schema change. I'm not going to get into all the nerdy engineering stuff here, but just know you don't just push a button. It's a massive change. And so many people have been dragging their feet on it, but you will have to do it at some point, especially if you want to take advantage of a lot of the cool Azure stuff. Now, 
Okay, thank you. Uh, server 22 is, is the current one. Any, anyways, making that migration is no joke. But if you're a real IT company and you're really doing what you're supposed to, you will have to do migrations at some point, right? You can't just like lock it in and be like, this is us. So the migrations happen. And when you do migrations, it's usually a big deal. You got to bring in staff. You typically, they did it on a Friday night. You typically do it during an off-peak time, right? So enjoy working in, in the evening. And you basically kind of lower your defenses. I mean, you don't have to lower all your defenses, but you lower your defenses and you start migrating, pushing data. You've got like, you know, backups spun up and waiting just in case uh, something goes sideways. You can quickly recover and all these things, right? It's a, it's a massive operation, okay? It, think of it as like, think of it as like open heart surgery, okay? Like you, you need to have the surgery. So you do all the prep, you get everything ready, and then they do the surgery and then they're they're ready for, you know, contingencies and crap like that. This company, while they had their defenses down, while they had all their data out and about, including their backups and stuff, a ransomware threat actor got in there and screwed everything, encrypted everything, took all their data, took their customer data, screwed the organization. The uh, Here's my thing. This sucks for this company. This is a massive suck, right? And it doesn't matter that they were migrating ransomware is ransomware is ransomware that's what's happening here this is just a garden variety ransomware attack customer a business got screwed and it happens to be the business's data is other businesses data so that's all hose too there's a third party risk supply chain risk but the really interesting thing here to me is that the the threat actor struck i mean you couldn't have hit a more perfect time i mean it, it's a precision strike so to me, that's straight up saying that someone on the inside was like, oh, we're doing a migration this week. Let's get going here. Um, um, Luke Canfield's got the, um, the, the baton. Here we go. Thanks, Luke. Uh, let's... I appreciate that, Luke. Also, I think if Luke's this, let me know if Luke Canfield's the same Luke that I met at the Simply Cyber Community meetup at DEF CON. If it is, what's up, Luke? Good to see you. And thanks for the beer. Luke bought me a beer. Um, anyways, this is a precision strike. The company's obviously going to get over this. They say they're not going to pay the threat actors. Hopefully, they have the ability to recover. Hopefully, they have a good insurance policy. But hopefully, there's an internal investigation on the insider threat angle because this is a massive financial hit for this company. And it just seems way too convenient that the bad guys knew what was up. Want to say what's up to David Meese? Welcome back into the light, David, after your brief... Uh, hiatus off of LinkedIn. David Meese coming back into LinkedIn like a, a wrecking ball. Meta expands messenger encryption. Meta's popular messenger app began offering end-to-end -end encryption as an option years ago, but this came as an opt-in secret conversation feature that required turning it on for each chat. These chats also didn't offer full feature parity with unsecured chats. Now, Meta began rolling out more robust end-to-end -end default encryption to Messenger with plans to make it standard to all users by the end of the year. Meta also began testing on-device recovery options for encrypted chats. The company will also enable end-to-end -end encryption for Instagram direct messages by the end of the year as well. All right. Malicious. So, I mean, this is one of those things, uh, guys. <laughs> Here we go. Straight cash, homie. This is a straight cash, homie. Okay, so check it out. I don't use Messenger, uh, Meta's Messenger, but maybe you do. I'm not a Facebook user, maybe you are, or Instagram. I mean, I, I do a little Instagram, but I suck at it. Uh, anyways, the Messenger app. Dude, in 2023, you gotta have encrypted Messenger, or it, it, it's like, that's that's the minimum entry point, right? Telegram, Signal, um, all these things. I think WhatsApp, I don't know. Like, they're all encrypted at this point. Like, if you're not encrypted, it's like having a website that's not encrypted. Like, if you look at HTTP colon slash slash, you're running port 80. You're like, nah, nah, brah, I'm good, right? You got to 443 it, right? So my point is, you're not running an unencrypted chat messenger in 2023 and getting any type of, like, whole, you know, massive adoption. Now, Meta realizes this and was like, okay, we're going to definitely roll out end-to-end. -end. They made a big public announcement, yada, yada, yada. Then they find out, oh, wait a minute. This isn't as simple as just flipping a switch. Like this actually is going to require re-architecting how we do everything. And you know what, you know what 
Do you know what re-architecting means? Great cash, homie. That's right, Zuck. Zuck's gonna have to pony up because it's not free to, it's not free in money, it's not free in person power. Other projects are gonna have to get delayed or pushed to the side so you can focus energy and effort on this. And, and they got to roll it out. So um, it looks like there was a little bit of, oh, uh, like, I don't know the word, like, oh, uh, um, <laughs> about this consternation, but they're going to go ahead and roll it out. Um, this is another one of those good examples. Let me point this out for you, okay? Because this is a reality. When you introduce a new security feature to your product and it doesn't change the end user experience, marketing and sales cannot sell that. They can be like, oh, now we use AES-256 instead of whatever, Blowfish. What does that do for the end user? What does that do for Carl? <gasps> Carl's like, I don't care. I'm not paying more for that. Like, look at this. Your competitor has a new emote keyboard or emoji keyboard, or look, it's a bigger screen. That's something that matters to me, right? Function, features, the like, Things that end users are can wrap their head around and buy straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. That's what products and vendors want to do. So something like this, Meta's like, Jesus, we can't. This is going to cost a lot of money and take a lot of time. How we can't we can't sell that. We can't make more money off that. We can't jack up the price, right? Dude, Netflix. They <laughs> Netflix increases their price like it feels like a dollar a month, right? I think I'm paying like twenty five dollars right now or something stupid. It just, they, they're just a thousand paper cuts with Netflix, right? But they're like, oh, look, we got the Chris Helmsworth movie. Oh, cool. We got this like new show over here, right? That's front end stuff. If they increased it a dollar and said, we're rolling out multi-factor authentication, like, yeah, I'm cool with that. Or they're like, oh, hey, dollar more a month because we need to have a contingency environment in North America West uh, in order to be able to ensure continuity so you don't get your, you know, Big Brother reruns uh, impacted. I'm like, I'm not paying you a dollar for that, my man. So anyways, this is a tale as old as time, uh, Beauty and the Beast kind of deal here where product vendors are more likely to invest in end user features than they are into security because they can make money off of it. <laughs> they can't make money off security. And that's part of the bane of our existence. We are not, a, we don't have ROI. We're a cost center, okay? There, there are some fun, playful ways to get ROI, return on investment, generating revenue for the business from the cybersecurity office, but it's rare, okay? NPM packages target Roblox devs. Reversing Labs released details on an ongoing campaign using dozens of NPM packages to deploy info stealers on developers for the popular game Roblox. Since at least August 1st, attackers use a spoofed module that appears like the noblocks.js package. This provides the same API wrapper functionality, but deploys the open source info stealer Luna Token Grabber. The researchers note a similar campaign operated on NPM about two years ago, but it noted this most recent attempt shows considerable sophistication with cleverly hidden functionality and rapid iteration on its second stage. Oh, yeah, I do love some rapid. Uh, I, I do like some rapid acceleration on the second stage. Give me some of that. Catch me outside. How about that? Absolutely. Let's go. Is there a graphic in here? Uh, that's not really good. Uh, dude, it's been a minute since we had a good infographic. Am I wrong? All right, so check it out. De um, delicious NPM packages. Malicious NPM packages. Target Roblox game developers. Here's the deal, okay? Two things. One, um, malicious open source packages, are, uh, open source software packages is not new. Threat actors have been going into GitHub and different places, forking popular uh, libraries including malicious content and then hosting it as their own. Or if they're really um, going, you know, YOLO, they'll just put malicious functionality into existing packages, but that usually gets caught, okay? There has been some efforts, just so you know, there has been some efforts um, to write tools that will scan open source uh, software libraries for malicious behavior. Also, uh, CatGPT saying, I love something I can take to my kids to relate to things. Oh yeah, CatGPT, this thing's about to get hot right here. So check this out. Um, the idea of malicious software and open source software integrations is not new, okay? And there's vulnerability scanners for it and all that. Now, let's talk about what's happening with this particular one. 
Roblox game developers, okay? Roblox, if you don't know, um, if because you don't have kids or nieces or nephews or something like that, Roblox is this um, game that allows people to create their own game. Think of it as like, th there's a Roblox game, but think of it more as like Legos, where you can assemble the Legos however you want, and boom, you got your own game. So you can have like an obstacle course, like a parkour course. You can have a little game where you like generate revenue and like who's got the most money. Like there's tons of these games. And for some reason, the graphics are terrible, but kids freaking love themselves some Roblox, okay? Okay, so what's the big deal here? Roblox is a multi-billion dollar industry. Multi-billion dollar industry. The top devs who are writing it are getting paid out. So the motivation here, I can tell you with 100% certainty, is that these malicious packages, the objective on target is to get into those developers' accounts and be able to straight up rob them. That's what's up with this. So this is your classic garden variety smash and grab. Uh, well, it's not really a smash and grab. This is a garden variety um, pickpocket where we're going to get in. We're going to find who's wealthy and we're going to steal their money. Thanks for doing all the hard work. Um, Roblox developers, I'll take your money from here. Okay. Uh, you can see uh, the, 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 the module is an information stealer, presumably to get creds, to get um, session tokens, etc. They're not trying to steal the developer's source code. They're trying to steal the money, okay? Uh, it's been around for a while. This is a great opportunity if you work in a business that is doing software um, and using open source software or you just have an R&D department, make them aware of this. Everybody knows what Roblox is, Um so you can, you know, this this is happening, okay? And then ChatGPT talking about something to relate to his kids. I'm thinking from my own children's perspective, you know, I warn them all the time about, it, it, for me, it's more about like, listen, dude, like I understand that this YouTuber just said, go to this link and get a free Roblox skin or go to this link and download this mod. That is dumb. Do not do that. You are so dumb. You are really dumb, for real. Right, and I'm not, I'm not trying to call my kids dumb. I'm just saying like, you you need to you need to educate them that it's not free. Like it definitely definitely sus. There's definitely some sussiness going on up in here, and be mindful of that. But um, big picture, big picture. Wherever there is money, threat actors, cyber criminals will go to. Okay, it's a fact. <laughs> they go to where the money is, just like bank robbers in the twenties go to where their money is. It, that's what they're doing it for. They're not doing it for the lulls. They're doing it to get paid. IBM puts LLM to work translating COBOL. COBOL remains one of the oldest programming languages with surprising staying power. A survey by The Stack estimated that in 2022, over 800 million lines of COBOL were used daily in production environments, possibly increasing over the last five years. This comes as the pool of COBOL programmers continues to shrink. With that in mind, IBM announced Code Assistant for IBM Z, a large language model designed to translate COBOL to Java. IBM expects general availability by Q4. The system offers enough nuance to recommend if a subservice should stay written in COBOL and not get translated. IBM recommends companies use vulnerability scanners to help ensure translated code doesn't introduce security complications. All right, <clears throat> so really quickly, um... Whatever. Here's the deal with this one. This is a good use of AI. Unfortunately, this is absolutely the death of a certain job. Okay. So IBM is going to use AI to write, like, to translate COBOL to code to Java. And I know that's what the title says, but here's the thing COBOL uh, is written, it talks to mainframes. There's a boatload of COBOL running around um, for reasons of legacy tech and whatever. But a couple years ago, there was like this big push, like, holy crap, does anyone know COBOL? And no one knows COBOL because people stopped using it decades ago. But a lot of like, you know, golden oldies came out of the woodwork and they're like, I know COBOL. Like, you know, I've been on tour with uh, Grateful Dead for a few seasons, but I can come out of uh, retirement and do some COBOL, make some extra cashish, right? And there was like a little niche market there for a minute. Well, with this happening... That's the end of that. You might as well go, you know, get back on the road, grab into your camper van and, and boogie on on down the road because this is actually going to destroy the need for that functionality. Now, I will say that 
translating COBOL to Java, pretty cool. Java's a modern language. Write once, run anywhere. Uh, it's going to be good. It will be. We probably won't see it in the media, but I'm sure that AI is going to write some co some Java that doesn't exactly work one to one um, to replace the COBOL. So that could be a problem, uh, but not a really big deal to me. The story here. Shall we play a game? To, to me, the story here is that AI is being used in another creative way. We live in the AI age. Get the T-shirts made up. Let's go. Um, it is what it is, right? Plus. <laughs> if I just may, boo to Java. Boo, I say. We all know that our employees need to be more security aware, but... All right. All right, that's going to do the news for today. If you were here just for the news, I want to say thank you so much, 320 of you beautiful people. Go out and crush your days, my friend. There will be no jawjacking today. I am teaching in about 30 minutes uh, at the Citadel for my... Uh, fall 2023 class, uh, 20 students. I think they have no f idea what they're about to walk into with, uh, with this guy. I'm all jacked up on coffee. I'm all, I'm all primed up from the daily cyber threat brief podcast. So I'm going to be coming in like a wrecking ball, but I hope you guys did enjoy it. Um, I hope you guys did enjoy the stream today. Like I said, every single morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time, I typically, um, when I teach, I, I was doing the streams at 9.30. Uh, when I got back from teaching, I moved my course from 8 a.m. to 9.30 in order to support the community, uh, all of you, so we could keep it at 8 a.m. Uh, safe travels to James McQuiggan. I, I do owe the community. I think we, are, uh, uh, we have enough members in order to actually um, get a new emote, so look for that as soon as I get time, guys. Things have been unbelievably busy. Um, I got, you know, some big announcements coming out in a couple weeks, busting my hump over here. Um, good to see you, Jamie Fleck in chat. Um, Shane Prevost in chat. couple, hey man, this is great. Jazzy Jazz. Seeing a lot of people, uh, who you've probably been here and I just haven't caught you in chat yet, but really, really appreciate it. Uh, guys, it's been good. I'm going to head on off to uh, class right now. Be good to each other. I will see you. No live stream later tonight. I just, again, too busy to set it up. I've got a great slate of guests coming up. When we do get back into Simply Cyber Live, we've got a cyber insurance expert coming on. we got Hacker Sploit coming on. we got Ian Anderson uh, uh, coming on, a Midwestern guy. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of good times. A lot of great things to share coming up. But it's back to school for me. So guys, be good. And until next time, stay secure. See you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one. Come